My beloved in Jesus Christ, our Lord, it was nice to be at Father Frank Kunzel's funeral, but it's always sobering when you come up to, to view him, the, the mortal remains, and you realize that body, that mouth, can't say anything more. Nothing more can be said or done. And I thought to myself at that time, I better say and do everything I can that needs to be done before I get in that box, because then it's sealed. I came home, and it's always sobering to drive away, especially when you get a chance, so you're blessed to have a long drive, and coming back from the funeral after the internment, and you start to think, God, we all gather together, and now we're all left with our own thoughts. He's got his work he has to do, and I've got mine. And everyone who was there has their own work that they have to do, to do and to say, and all those things before they themselves are in the box and lowered in the ground. And then last night, Pawnee Kellen and I watched a, a YouTube about Father Lazarus El Anthony. Father Lazarus is a monk, a Coptic monk, but he's from Australia. And it's about a two-hour interview. It's for the, the Coptic youth um, organization that they did an interview of Father Lazarus. And he tells his story, and I encourage you to watch it. Uh, he's got a little 20-minute, 30-minute interview uh, called Desert Foreigners, and then you can see, that'll pop up and you'll see the other one of Father Lazarus, El Anthony, E.L. Anthony. He tells a story, you know, he was a professor in the university, his life centered around philosophy, he, he loved um, um, Karl Marx and other things, he created this whole philosophy of his life, and God had no part in it. He believed with Karl Marx that, this, that, that religion was just a way of, of filling up our inadequacies. And he would go on and explain all of that. Well, he had an experience, and that experience was his death of his mother, and he was very close to her. It was the only thing that grounded him. And so he's angry, he's mad, he's living his life, and it seems to be no purpose. And after about a year, he wants to go back to the hospital room to the room that his mother died in, just to find something to hang on to. And he gets there, and it's a Catholic hospital, and the nuns tell him, no, that room's occupied, but come to the convent that's attached. You can stay in this room. It was a library, and we'll come get you because that person will be discharged at some point. And he got to the room. And there he found a book of Thomas Merton's The Seven-Story Mountain. And he started to read it. And he forgot all about anything. The nurses forgot about him, and he forgot about going over. And he finished the book, and he found, here's somebody like me. Our lives are almost parallel. So if he found peace, perhaps I can find peace. So he called a, a monastery, a Roman Catholic monastery, and they asked him a bunch of questions. And are you, you know, where do you go to church? Who's your pastor? Who recommended you? And, well, I, I don't go to church. And, and finally they said, okay, I'm sorry, you know, and whatever else took place. 
So he decided to drive to a Serbian Orthodox monastery. And he was greeted there by somebody, and, and, and he found out later it was the, a bishop. And the bishop just said, well, he didn't ask me any questions. Didn't know anything about him. He just said, come and see. Come and see. So he went into the monastery, and they were, he went, they were doing some various things. It was a Saturday, and you know, on Saturdays we commemorate the dead. And, and so he went out to the cemetery with them. And then they came back, and they were going back into the big church for another service. And he went back in with him. And everyone came in, and there was this icon of Our Lady, the Theotokos. He would call her St. Mary. And it was, I guess, a well-known icon that many miracles have taken place there. And as he was coming in, he noticed the people, the monks and the visitors, coming in great and making matanyas, you know, the bow, like we do in Lent, all the way down, putting your forehead through the floor. They did it three times. And then they would go into the church and join the priest who was where they were praying. So he did not want to be rude. He goes, but I'm from Australia, and men from Australia don't bow down to anybody. You can be the king or the queen or whatever. We'll shake your hands, but we're not going to bow down for you. But I didn't want to be rude. So I came before the icon and, and did the best I could, and I went down on my knees and went to put my forehead to the ground. And you know, it's like he says, it's a, you're in a fetal position. You're in this in this deep sense of humility, you're vulnerable. And when I went down, all of a sudden, I started crying. I couldn't control myself. I got up. I went down to make the second one. I put my forehead to the floor, and I started crying again. And then it happened. The first time, the mother of God, he said, would come out, and he would have many experiences of her. Come out to her from the icon. And as he's crying, he's you know, saying, I've lost my mother. I, you know, I have no mother. And she says, I will be your mother. Not once, but it would happen three times while he was on the ground. And then he would get back up and she faded back in. And he would join the monks. Well, very quickly, the bishop found out he was not baptized or anything. He could just tell by his mannerism. So he sent him to uh, Serbia for a while, and finally he came back, joined the monastery, was brought into it, but he didn't really read the Bible, didn't really know much, and eventually a Coptic visitor would come and teach him about these events where God would come and have an action, and then they would get up and leave and start a new life, like Abraham. And so with the blessing, he got the permission to go to the monastery of St. Anthony. And there as we spent out the rest of his life in Egypt. And he's the one that would climb up every night at midnight and celebrate the divine liturgy in the cave of St. Anthony. And he tells a wonderful story about his experience of, of St. Anthony up in his little cave. But the point is, none of this change would have happened, not one, had he not gone down in humility humbled himself before God, though he didn't understand that until later. As we look at the, oh, the whole world from a Christian perspective, we can see God's mercy reigning all over the earth, penetrating it, affecting you and I. And as Christians, we're called to recognize that, to acknowledge that, 
and in gratitude give praise to God for the mercies we receive every moment of every day. Life, a breath, is part of His mercies for us. And now we have come to the season of the Triodion, the Lenten prayer book that we use. My predecessor, Father Joseph, used to have these in the bookstore for sale, encouraged everyone to buy them, but very few, unfortunately, bought them, and now they're not available for anybody. But this is the basic book that we use in our church during Lent. It's not an exhaustive book by any means, but it's what we have and what we have in English. So this Sunday, we start using this book. And as we began this Sunday, we realize that we're coming into that season, we're starting to focus on that season of our redemption, that Paschal mystery that in the days coming we will come to. And we recognize that all those days are about forgiveness, the ultimate forgiveness that we all receive through the death of Christ on the cross and the new life it brings about. And that Paschal mystery brings about forgiveness for all of those we recall who are baptized, who will be baptized this Easter. For my grandson, who will be baptized tomorrow, will receive the remission of sins. And the church calls out, calls in rejoicing, if you will, for all of us who have entered baptism and received the remission of sins that it brings about. But as we start journeying, we have to recall that we still have work to do. We still have an active role to play in our salvation because of our weak human nature, our weak will. As Father Lazarus would continually say, the will is what really has to be controlled, especially for a monk on a mountain in the desert when you get no cold water for refreshment. It's really mastery of your self-will, your wants, your desires. As we go through these weeks, we are given teachings by the church, things to reflect on. And this Sunday, the Sunday of the publican and the Pharisee, we reflect on pride and humility. And throughout the course of these pages is filled by the means of looking from all different angles, our failure in humility, our failure in, um, in, in, in getting away with pride, and allowing arrogance to take over. We will look at it from multiple different directions, from different saints, all struggling with the same thing. But without humility, there's no salvation. We fill our lives most of the time wearing masks. The masks that we want everybody to perceive us as. Who we want everyone to th see that we are. And pride and arrogance are the masks that we create. Because we don't want anybody to see who we really are. And we will even try to form masks before God 
We will try to justify our confessions. We will try to justify our lives and our actions all in such a manner that we don't look too bad before God. We don't want Him to see the real who we are. We don't want the priest to know the entire truth. So I'm going to put on a mask. And I'll word things in such a way that it will like, well, maybe he won't really understand. Maybe God will just say, okay. But it's not just in confession. It's in our relationship with others as well. And what humility and repentance asks us to do is to get on the floor, remove our mask, put our face in the dirt, and remember that we are dirt. And dirt that we will return to. God can see our masks and see right through them. And our masks become our own condemnation. And the only way to overcome that is that humility and repentance. And that is what these days leading up to the Paschal mystery is for. Our humility and repentance. Because in that humility and repentance, we remove the masks. And we may not like what we see, but it forces us to address it and correct it so that we can be our true selves. And then, like Father Lazarus found, he could be really happy and he could find peace. There was no pretense in his life. He was just a simple monk, realizing that after all his education, he knew nothing and it was worthless. And so he would commit the rest of his life in the desert where there's no cool water. But he found peace. And that's what we're called to. These Sundays are are like shots across the bow, warning shots to remind us, get back to center. You've strayed far enough, come back. We're in that season of redemption. We're heading towards the promised land. We're on our way, as I said last Sunday, to Jerusalem. And it's time to prepare yourselves. So while we've all been baptized, we still have work to do. Work in ourselves. And it's the hardest work to do. And no matter where you are on the ladder of spirituality, You're never far enough because God is always calling us further. And so we all have work to do, the sinner and the saint. But if we bow down and we profess humbly as did Father Lazarus, we may not have a vision at that moment as he did, but we will have the consolation of God's grace in that moment. That is my son. I recognize you. I don't know who you were with that mask on, but you, I know you. So let us heed the words of the gospel. Because if we go around thinking that, oh, look how great I am, look how much I've done, all this is going to be my salvation, well, your reward, you've already had your reward. Enjoy it. But your reward now is in this life. But our reward that we're looking to is in life to come. 
So we don't seek things of this world. We seek what is to come. And what is to come only comes through humility and repentance. So listen carefully over the course of the next weeks, all the way through Holy Week, to those wonderful words of repentance, especially when we get to the great canon of Andrew, and we listen to all the things that have happened throughout salvation history, and yet God's grace is there with them at each moment. If we truly repent, God's grace will lift us up, will change us. And on that great day of Pascha, we will be renewed. Because when Christ comes again, again, we do not want to be found still in the same sins of our former life. He's called us to a new life. Let us fall down, put our faces to the dirt, and accept the life through humility that he's called us to. I want you to remind you, remember last Sunday, what did, did Paul say? Attend to your duties and let them absorb you. Right? Your duties, take care of your, your spiritual life, liturgical services, your prayer, your family and work. That's your duties. St. Paul says this week that we're supposed to remember what we've learned to believe those who taught it to us. Remember the apostles. Remember what you've learned and believed and who taught it to you. You received from the apostles the apostolic faith. Those successors. You've got it all contained right in this little divine liturgy, this little church, with the liturgical services and sacraments that she offers. So focus on that. Pray for those who need prayers, because my golly, where would they be if there was no prayer? I truly believe it wasn't prayers for us, you know, our church and all the other churches combined, that we'd be really in a mess. So your prayers are powerful, but not as powerful as when we come together to celebrate the divine liturgy. In a unique way, as the body of Christ, our prayers are like no prayer on earth. So tend to your duties. Let them absorb you. Don't get caught up in everything that's going on and get your heart up in a flutter and the hackles on your neck, you know, standing on in. It's not going to serve you well. Pray for them. And you do your duties. And you remember what you learned. And you remember what you believe. And remember it's the apostles that taught it to you. If we do this, if we stay in the boat, the name of the church, we will fare the storm. We will fare the storm well. As soon as we start looking elsewhere, like Peter in the water when he stepped out, he looked away from Jesus. He took his focus off and started looking at the storms that was raging around him, and he started to sink. Let's learn from Peter. Stay in the boat. Keep our eyes fixed on Christ. And we'll be okay. Have a blessed week. May be filled with the light and love of Christ. And give thanks to God that you have breath, the breath that give him praise.